Frederick J. Frenger, Jr., who preferred to be called Junior instead of Freddie, was twenty-eight years old. He looked older because his life had been a hard one. The lines at the corners of his mouth seemed too deep for a man in his late twenties. His eyes were a dark shade of blue, and his untrimmed blonde eyebrows were almost white. His nose had been broken and reset poorly, but some women considered him attractive. His skin was unblemished and deeply tanned from long afternoons spent in the yard at San Quentin. At 5'9", he should have had a slighter build, but prolonged sessions with weights, pumping iron in the yard, as well as playing handball, had built up his chest, shoulders, and arms to almost grotesque proportions. He had developed his stomach muscles to the point that he could stand arms akimbo and roll them in waves. Freddy had been given a sentence of five to life for armed robbery. The California Adult Authority had reduced the sentence to four years, fixing an earlier parole date for two years. After serving the two years, Freddie had been offered a parole, but he turned it down, preferring to do two more years and then get out of prison without any strings attached. He accepted the label in his jacket, the file folder that held his records in the warden's office, which had him down as a career criminal. He knew that he would commit another crime as soon as he was released, and if he was on parole when he was caught, he would be returned to prison as a parole violator. Violating a parole could mean eight or even ten more years of prison before beginning the new sentence for whatever it was that he was caught doing after he got out. San Quentin is overcrowded, so there are not enough jobs for everyone, and a man must earn a job. Freddy liked to work when he worked, and he was efficient. Assigned, after several months of idleness, to kitchen duty, he had observed the operation closely. He had then written a ten-page memorandum to the warden, explaining in detail how the staff could be cut and the service improved if certain correction officers and prison chefs were removed and replaced. To Freddy's surprise, he found himself back on the yard. His report, which would have earned a management major in college a B+, earned Freddy the enmity of several kitchen screws— These officers, with their solid links to the prison power structure, directed that Freddy be taught a lesson for his temerity. Two black prisoners cornered Freddy in the yard one afternoon and worked him over. At the yard captain's hearing, they claimed that Freddy had jumped them for no reason and that they were merely attempting to defend themselves from his psychopathic racist attack. Inasmuch as Freddy had tested out as a psychopath and sociopath, as had the two other prisoners, he was sent to the hole for six days for his unprovoked attack on these innocent inmates. The black yard captain also gave him a short lecture on racism. During the six dismal days in the hole, which included revocation of Freddy's smoking privileges and reduction to bread and water, with a plate of kidney beans every third day, Freddy reviewed his life and realized that altruism had been his major fault. Back when he had been a juvenile offender, he had been sent to the reform school at Whittier, where he had organized a sit-down strike in the dining hall in an effort to get seconds on Sunday desserts, rice pudding with raisins, of which Freddy was very fond. The campaign failed, and Freddy had stayed at Whittier for the full three years of his sentence. Again, at Ione, California, in the Preston Institute for Youthful Offenders, Freddy had extended himself, planning the escape of a boy named Enoch Sawyers, Enoch's father, who had caught his son masturbating, had castrated the boy. Mr. Sawyers was a very religious man and considered masturbation a grievous offense to God. Mr. Sawyers was arrested, but because of his religious connections and the laudatory testimony of his minister, he had been sentenced to two years probation. But when young Enoch, only fifteen years old at the time, had recovered from his unelected surgery, he had become a neighborhood terror. 
Deprived of his testicles and taunted by his schoolmates, he had demonstrated his manhood almost daily by beating one or more of his tormentors half to death. He was fearless and could take incredible amounts of punishment without apparently noticing or caring how badly he was hurt. Finally, at seventeen, Enoch had been sentenced to Preston as an incorrigible menace to the peace of Fresno, California. At Preston, among some very hardened young prisoners, Enoch again felt compelled to prove his manhood by beating up on people. His technique was to walk up to someone, anyone, and slam a hard right to his fellow prisoner's belly or jaw. He would continue to pummel his victim until the person either fought back or ran away from him. Enoch's presence in the dormitory was unsettling to the other prisoners. Freddy, to solve the problem, had befriended him and worked out an escape plan, telling Enoch that he could...